Agosaloch, and welcome to tonight's cheer. Motzer Shabbos Parshas Tetzave. This tonight's cheer is dedicated by Rebbe Pinchas. I think it's actually Pinchas Yaakov. Um, Rabin, in memory of his late brother, Chaim um, Shmuel Mendel, Ben Moshe, otherwise Sholem, otherwise known as uh, Michael. And we wish Pinchas um, long life, good health among all the family, and may the memories, the wonderful memories of his late brother be an inspiration for all the family and a bracha for all the family. I'm going to start off with some feedback from last week's shear. Number one, we had a discussion about money. Uh, dollars or coins received from the Rebbe and whether making them into jewelry makes a difference. Does laminating a dollar bill into, uh, does that make a difference? So that was last week's discussion. So I had a couple of people pointed this out to me. I'm going to share with you and I want to just share with you. It's good to know where to find things. So there is a an app called Rebbe Responsa which you can see on the screen, um, they have curated some 5,000 letters of the Rebbe, which were originally written in English. They're not translations. They were written and sent off in English. And a couple of people brought to my attention the following letter. So it's a letter... As you can see, written to a Miss Malka Friedman, the date is Tov Shin Lamed Hay, and it's the time when the Rebbe had launched, the Rebbe had launched the Mivtzan Neyot Shabbos Kodesh, Mivtzan Neshek, and it looks like the Rebbe had offered an incentive that whoever commits herself to light Shabbos, a candle for each Shabbos, Shabbos, We'd send a dollar or a coin, and this Miss Malka Friedman looks like she asked, asked the Rebbe, inquiring the significance of the dollar bill in connection with the candlelighting campaign. The, the follow, what follows is a um, fascinating two-page letter, two, two full pages in English. The FPS is on the third page, and the Rebbe talks about mitzvahs, bichlal, and about um, and then he goes on to the particular mitzvah of Hadlokas Neiris, and at the end, so and, and the and the union of Tzedakah associated with Hadlokas Neiris. That's the whole arichness of the letter. All as I say in in English, and you can look up the the original on that app. Meanwhile, the PS is in connection with the above, says the Rebbe. I want to emphasize a very important point. Namely, that however important that dime or dollar bill is, it is still muksa and not to be touched on Shabbos and Yom Tov like any other money. So a very clear answer, I mean, position of the Rebbe that they gives a dollar, that dollar remains muksa. That doesn't take away from when it's been modified through uh, made into a piece of jewelry. I don't think that's that, that's the issue here. It's the, as, as it is. The simple halacha is that it's muksa. Now, it's very interesting because one of our regular listeners 
wrote to me that he was years ago as a boch in yeshiva and the mashpia said Rebbe's doll is not muksa. And it's like, you know, how it's kind of levels of chesidishkeit. How can you say a Rebbe's doll is muksa? Yeah, muksa is the... But then you can say, no, the Rebbe gave you a dollar because he wants to, like, dear Bedachtoin, he wants a dollar, not, not to be something, um, it's, something it's a dollar, which is so, all right. Anyway, however your, your chesidish kite goes one way or the other, but here you have a clear answer from the Rebbe, that the dollar as it is, is going to be, is going to be muksa. If you modify it through plastication or laminate, whatever it may be, there's room to discuss that. The Rebbe is sort of talking simply, should we say face value? Let's go on to the second point, which we discussed last week. And we, we're talking about the Rebbe's lotion. I threw in a comment and uh, I'm very grateful for at least four or five people who came back with sources about this and discussion. I, I mentioned how the Rebbe talks about the Mata Masorat Fochim and how we have this Gemara in Sukkah Dalad Omid Beis and Daf Hayomid Aleph talking about the Shechina, Meyoyolam, what's the notion here again? Meyoyolam layordo Shechina lamata me'asorat fochim. That was the notion which we had here. Um, my discussion last week was where Toysvist says that the wall of for tent fochim or for Shabbos is also derived from this Oren Vekapoires, and my question was, but the Oren and the Kapoires are inside the Kodesh Kodesh, which is in any case, Rishas Sayach. Before going further, I just want to share with you an interesting thought. Well, last week, the quote from the uh, from the Alter Rebbe Siddha was the idea of Rishas Sayach, the Ein Rishas Above Tent Fochim, there's no, no issue of Rishas Harabim. So I'm just mulling in my mind. We've got two dinim of tent fochim. We have the din of Ein Rishus Harabim Lamala Masorat Fochim. We have a separate din that in order to establish a Rishus Hayochid, it has to have Mechitzis, uh, it has to have a um, walls around it, which are ten tefachim high. Are those two foot dinim, are they interdependent? I never thought about it till this past week. But there seems to be a logic here that the walls of the Rishus HaYochid are to ward off the Rishus HaRabim. And since Rishus HaRabim is Ola Adasorum, so in order to establish a shusayochid, you need to have walls of asarat fochim. I see a, a certain logic there, although they are ostensibly, you could say they're separate dinim, but I believe they are connected, which fits very well in our discussion. So now let's move on to the feedback. So, as I said many, many times, the Rebbe spoke about the gulo lamato me asarat fochim, and I asked, what's the what's 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 the uh, significance of that? So several people pointed this pointed out to me, um, including the uh, the Chosen, uh, has to have special mention. So the in Tovshin Lamed Zayin in Yud Shvat, 
at the end of the Fabrengen, the Rebbe addressed several questions which are put to him personally. One was before the one before this is about why does the Rebbe often say Bechuli, Bechuli? And he talks about styles of people speaking, of Rabbeim speaking. For example, I think he mentions that the Mittler Rebbe has a style of Vidal, Vidal Maven. Every second paragraph finishes off with Vidal. Anyway, so the Behemshech to this, the Rebbe talks about his usage of the term of us, Lamato Measorat Fachim. So I'm just going to read a little bit from this. Um, from this sikha, as they say, it's Yud Shvat of Shenamazain, Shabbos. So, in the Rebbe connects this with, we have a Gemara which says, Kolokol Hakitsin, all the dates for when the Geula has was predicted to come, they've all come and gone. So, what are we waiting for? So, the Gemara says, we're for Tshuva. So what is what is basically being said? That the Geula is already here, but it's in a higher level, and it has to come. It's been delivered, but it's not, not in a tangible way. What we're looking for is that the Geula should be in a tangible way. Let's read further. Then the Rebbe refers to the Gemara in Shabbos, that, uh, that above tent for him is not called Rishusarabim. The concept of Rishusarabim is only within the lowest tent for him. Says the Arizal. Now, here's different to that word which we had before from the Lensider uh, that Rishusarabim is Alma de Pruda, a world of division. Rishusayochid is the focus on Elamatsilis and a world of Achdus. And because it's connected to the Abishtu who is one. And if Rebbe finishes off, had I not added those words, Lamata, the Geula should be Lamata Measorat Fachim. So you could say, yeah, the Geula has been, is, is here already. But it's, 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 it's in a spiritual sense. It's Lamata Measorat Fachim. The Gemara says, Kol Kol Therefore, the Rebbe is saying, therefore, I needed to emphasize, I need to emphasize that I'm not satisfied with the Geula, which is Lamata Measorat Fachim. Because Gemara says it's already been there. Novos, I want to I want to see the Gaulamatamiasartvachim, and he quotes the famous conversation of the Rebbe Marash with the Rebbe the Tzemach Tzedek. That the Tzemach Tzedek, uh, that Tofresh Ches was was uh, purported to be a year of, of, of the Gaulamshiach to come. So at the end of the year or the beginning of the next year, whatever, the Rebbe Marash asks his father, what happened? So the Tzemach Tzedek said, it was printed in the So to which the Rebbe Marash said, Okay. Someone is pointing out perhaps the Mashpia felt that the Rebbe's words only applied to a dollar which had lost its value, money value, having been exchanged for its stock or given instead. I don't know. Could be. Could be. him. As I mentioned last week, what's the, the, the what? There's no real need for a person to move a rebbe's dollar on on Shabbos. Uh, it's wherever you have, you have in a safe place, and uh, in a weekday you metal it as much as you need. Okay. The other point is, and this is fascinating, that as I'm, I'm we started with this Gemara, 
which says that So there's this divide that the Shekinah doesn't come within the tent for him of the ground. And Moshe didn't go up. Now we've got the famous Medrash. Everyone has learned a bit of a bit of Chesidus, even just learned Sichus. So you know that there's a whole Moshul of Malchus Roimi and Malchus Surya, and there was a, a divide between these countries, and they're not allowed to cross the border. And then came a time where they took away the border controls, and they allowed that Elyonim Yerul Tachtoinim Tachtoinim Yalul Elyonim Roimi. And the way the Rebbe saw once in a mimer, Roimi means like Roim High, and Suryo means rancid, uh, bad smell. So there's there's the Roimi and the Suryo, there's the Elyonim and the Tachtoinim. And until Matan Torah, there was a divide between Elyonim and Tachtoinim. After Matan Torah. So then, Hashem says, I will start. So how does that match with this part, with this Gemara that lo lamato, Yeah. So this is this is oh, a, a glaring question, and this has not come through on the copy which you have on, but in a um, in several sources. A couple of people sent me that in the Rebbe Marash, sorry, the Rebbe Rashab is, has a mimer um, about Matan Torah, and towards the end, he brings this. And this is in Sefer Mamorim Tofresh Mem Gimel, Omen Pei Base, talks about this. There's also Tofresh Mem Dalad, and my son-in-law in Chicago sent me also, he sent me the reference to Tofresh Mem Gimel, but also in the Dagachover. So he has a uh, in volume on Devorim, he has a whole study, or oh, sorry, not a study, he has Ha'oris on the Moira Nevochim. In those Ha'oris, there is a mention, Ragatshova mentions the Shita of Rabbi Yaisi. And he says, but we don't pass in that way. In other words, this uh, view of Rabbi Yossi is not unanimous. And it looks like that the Medrash, which was mentioned before, it disagrees with Rabbi Yossi. And in the mind of Tofresh Mem Gimel, the Rebbe Rashab seeks to reconcile between the two sources. But Bepashtus, this idea, that's not that's not necessarily the the broad consensus amongst the uh, Chazal. It looks like other other sources say it differently. I he says this. The Rebbe Rashab tries to explain it. Okay, let's now move on to something lamato uh, me'asorat fochim. So. Actually, when I was in, in the summer, I was in by my son in Wyoming, and I saw this the they get this, these frozen balls of dough. And you take 15 of those balls, you put them into a wet baking tin, leave them to thaw, and then they kind of rise and then they blend, and then it looks like and it tastes like a very good challah. 
Very, very good. So now another shliach somewhere uh, who also uses these frozen balls of dough. You can America, perhaps in England also you can buy them, but in America in the small places, they, they, they as far as kashas is concerned, they're perfectly okay. And here's the question of, of so they are asking, do they have to take challah? So now a dough, which is like you can see this on the screen, and you get a desi machine lamet. If a goy makes a dough, if or he owns a dough, and if there's a Jewish baker working for a goyish uh, proprietor, and if it's the ownership of the goy, it's potter of challah. And the other way around, if it's a Jew's uh, dough, even if it's actually the work was done by a goy, it is chayev b'challah. So it's got to do with ownership. So then, therefore, a pashtus, there's no question of a chayev challah. Now, I'm presuming that the balls of dough were in the factory, were made into one massive mass of dough and then broken down into smaller balls and then frozen and you know, packed, etc. So there was a dough made by a goy. At that moment, it's potem in achala. And therefore, it's not going to come back into a chiyab chala at all. There's a, a hypothetical question in my mind. What would happen if a goy made small amounts of dough, less, let's say, made just one kilo? The original batch was just a kilo. And then a yid came and took those small batches of dough and then made them into a large batch, where you can argue, well, it was never potter in achala, because it, you, know, you have a discussion in a mission, let's say if a, if a uh, dough was, oh, well, let's talk about grain. There's a certain stage, miruach, where grain is kind of maizos, et cetera. If that maturation, happened in the possession of a goy, then there's no chiyav chala, or no chiyav of, of maizah. But if, if it was small pieces, so there was no maturation for the mitzvah of chala, therefore, if that maturation is done in the hands of a yid, there is a chiyav chala. Anyway, but that's, as I say, clearly hypothetical, because I'm sure that the factory which makes these balls of dough make them into a large, uh, in a large batch. And therefore, there is a status of uh, a, a dough which is chayibachal and it's potter because it's owned by a goy and therefore that's not going to be resurrected at a later stage. Before I forget, I want to also go one one point which was discussed in a uh, previ previous shear or two, two shiurim ago and that was about saying brochus with the little children who aren't uh, who aren't clean. And I mentioned about the Kedusha of a Brocha, and if there's no... Now, I'm, I apologize for the distress that some uh, dedicated nursery teachers had from this uh, position. And it is felt in, the, in, the, in, that, in that field of education that you do need to teach children, even at a very early age. What I just would like to then if you want to call it backtrack and say that usually, and I asked, usually the children, once they're toddlers, most of the time they are clean. And when, when the, so then that's not a problem. 
it's we're talking about when we know that the child isn't clean, then uh, it would be it wouldn't be appropriate. But if if but but just most of the time they are clean. Occasionally, okay, they need to be changed. Okay, um, so then then one would be able to teach them brachas unless you know that there is that they're not clean, which probably in any case you'd change them before uh, going to the next thing. Okay, let's move on now. Common question about a woman wants to be able to whether to go to shul Shabbos morning or she wants to do other activities and she wants to employ a babysitter. So there is a question of paying the babysitter and that is called schar Shabbos. So if it would be a non-Jewish babysitter, there's no problem to employ a goy on Shabbos, there would be a problem of paying them on Shabbos to leave an envelope for the guy to take before they leave. You have a, a waitress and to leave an envelope on Friday night, they should take it before they go. That is a problem because you're you're paying on Shabbos. But we're talking about here, um, talking about whether they can earn money. A guy can earn money on Shabbos. And you mustn't earn money on Shabbos. The simple solution is have law where there's a package deal. The person supplies their, their, their services in a package, which include Shabbos and weekday, and you pay for the package. That doesn't always work. And let's say, in this case, this babysitter is not available and not needed during the week, just on Shabbos morning. So have law isn't a solution. So how can we get around it? So I'd on the phone, I'd said, two solutions one is to give the money not as a there's not a set charge not a set fee it's given more as a tip and because it's more on a casual basis so then that would be okay the other thing i said was that you can give the the babysitter before shabbos give her 20 dollars whatever it may be and you give it, I'm saying, I'm giving this money as a loan. Then after Shabbos, you say, you know, that loan, forget it, don't worry about it. So, so she, she, she's not earning money, but the, the loan is being waived because of her rendering services at Shabbos. So, having said that, I looked further, and Baruch Hashem, we have this shear, and it gives me uh, the urge to look things up. And before I'm sharing it with the with the tzibur. so now in the Piskate Shuvas, he actually quotes this hatter of waiving a debt, and he says that although the Tehillah Ladovid was a Rovin Barditchev about I don't know 120 years ago, he allows that, but other poskim, including Rav Shlomo Zalman Oyerbach, do not subscribe to that, and they say that. Having your debts waived is another way of actually earning money, and that's not okay. This still calls Shabbos. So that, that avenue is, is not available, according to many contemporary poskim. So then we've only got the other option, and that is of, of um, giving it as a tip without if it's a if it's and again, if it's someone who's no relationship to you, just coming in. So then uh, that's also going to be a bit of a sham. If it's someone like, like a, a close 
family member, niece, assistant, or whatever it may be, who would do it as a favor also. Perhaps not every Shabbos, but they would do it as a favor occasionally. And therefore, if they do it now and you give them a tip, that would be legitimate. Okay, that's as much as I can say about that. Let's move on to the next thing. Okay, so here we have a game called Sudoku. Is it Japanese or something? At any rate, usually it comes that you get a printed square, which has got two numbers in various positions, and somehow you have to use your keppel to work out how you can make with the other seven digits between one and nine, how they should uh, be equal the same number uh, horizontally and vertically. I'm one of the uh, poorest experts in Sudoku. Uh, I don't know. I never really, when I was, you know, I must tell you a story. The Altarebbe, the when the Mizritchim Agit needed to have a Baltakea. So he asked which of the Talmudim is offering, to, he wants to, and whoever he wants to teach them how to be a Baltakea. So uh, the Altarebbe offered his services. And then the Maggid teaches him all the Kavonas of Tkiyat Shreifa. At the end of having taught all the Kavonas, so the Alter Rebbe says, I don't know how to blow Shreifa. I was never, I never, I never, I never got the kind of kid who took a Shreifa and started playing around. I never learned how to blow Shreifa. The Maggid says, um, and it was, uh, what is what did you do? You know, you you misled me. So he says a whole story with Moshe Rabbeinu. And Moshe Rabbeinu, after all the Giluim, she says, says that Ebeshter, well, I'm, you know, I, I can't speak in public. At any rate, so when I was at Ingala, <laughs> Sudoki wasn't around. So Bemela, that's my apology for not knowing. Call upon him. So you have this this uh, game, and it's instead of having printed text, you have here tiles. And you have here, as you can see, a booklet with a hundred parcels. And you're going to take one page, and you're going to take the, the, the prescribed numbers, two numbers from the book, and you'll, you'll, you'll put them in place. And then you'll, you know, you'll sit down and work out your puzzles. You put all the tiles in place. So the question is, can you do this on Shabbos? So now you can ask the same question, can you play Scrabble? The difference is that Scrabble is usually uh, incur you you have a right scores because there's different values of whereabout in the board you can manage to create a word how big a word and usually Scrabble I believe also you play with another person and therefore there's scores and there's a kind of game which involves writing down scores is that it shouldn't be played on shops. Sudoku I understand you're playing your own not with someone else I might be totally off on that one but um, I, I don't know if it's, it's a minute to write down anything uh, scores if, if it does involve writing scores that is a problem but otherwise is filling in the squares with these tiles is that called writing so here we have from Shemina Shabbos Kirofosa he's got a whole chapter on games and he says that if it's putting stuff like let's say a jigsaw puzzle so if you have the part, if it's just loose pieces, they don't stick together, then such a puzzle may be played with on Shabbos. 
You tip it over, the whole thing falls out. That's not a problem. Then you have these adult child um, jigsaw puzzles, the ones with a thousand pieces, and you spend 10 hours putting it together, and then you hang it up in the wall. At any rate, those serious games, so those, those puzzles, uh, you shouldn't be allowed, you're not allowed to play with them on Shabbos because the pieces stick together. So basically the concept of writing or drawing is an image which is being formed where you've got letters stuck into a surface or in the case of the jigsaw, you're creating a uh, you're creating an image with pieces stuck together. When they're just loose, you can tip it out and the whole lot falls out, then that is not a problem of Ksiva, never that's permitted. I'm just going to look at the, the chat here. I see two people of um, someone's asking, could you ask the babysitter to prepare stories? That's an interesting question. Yes, could be. I mean, if let's say uh, like a balcoire is paid for his time for preparing. So if the babysitter is uh, depending on the age of the, of the children, if it's the kind of thing which they do need to prepare something that would that would be okay. Someone's asking whether the boiler would be a problem. No, boiler is not a problem because it's not for delayed use. It's you're taking a piece which you want to use now. So that's that's okay. That's not a problem of boiler. Now, I just want to, before going off to the next thing, and that is a ha'ora, which I may have said before, but not everyone uh, who's here now was in previous time. And that is that we say in da in benching, let's say Hashem Alekeno, let's say um say Bahakeno, Hashem Alekeno, um the um Hashabos Hase. Now in the Nusakharambam it's Bioim Hamonoya Hase. The Arizal took exception to the lotion of Bioim Hamonoya Hase, and he is so um, strident about that. He uses the word that uh, term the father of Shimshin was was the one says he was a Hamor. It's not going to the detail of why, but and he says you use the language of so it's 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 an it's, a, it's an ignorant type of expression, very very strange. So one of suggestions to say is the following: the Shabbos. Shabbos is a day of devotion to Hashem, Shabbos Hashem. And Shabbos is a day where you have a day, a day, a day off. You work slogging a whole week, you're working so hard. Comes to Shabbos, you relax. So if Shabbos is just a day of relaxation, that, that, that is, that's Amahor Atoya. That is, it's true, but it's it's not what Shabbos is about. Shabbos is, you have Menucha from the physical, then you can focus, can focus on the spiritual. So one could suggest that that's what the Al Rizal is saying: focus on Shabbos Hashem rather than on on the Yom Menucha Let's move on. Right. So someone asks me, number six is so this is number seven on the screen, but number six about opening and closing pampers before Shabbos. Now. Just for those who are not familiar, pampers are disposable nappies in English, and they have tabs. Well, there was a stage when they have tabs, and those tabs are have got sticky, sticky surface, and you wrap the 
nappy, the diaper around the child, and you stick the, the tabs in place. And then when you want to teach the child to say bracha, you take, you unstick them and you go, yeah, and you you take off the tabs. And so now some some uh, contemporary poskim advise that the pamper, these tabs have to be disconnected, opened up before Shabbos, and then stuck in place, and then you can use them on Shabbos. So this is a, I can imagine, another thing to do for a young mother, that heir of Shabbos, she has to take a bunch of net, uh, diapers and unstick and stick, and therefore begs the question, what's all of this about? So the background to this is that Sticking is a is a is a tool of of sewing. The malacha, one of the lamatas malachas is tied for sewing. What about a temporary stitching? Some which was sewn only for short term, and the marshal, the precedent of this is that before shoe boxes were invented, a shoemaker made a pair of shoes, and he sewed the two shoes together. And as I bought myself a new pair of shoes, and Shabbos morning I want to go to shul, and uh, well, if the two shoes are stuck to, to one another, it's not so convenient to get to shul that way. And so I want to separate them. Now that stitching of the two shoes together was obviously for a short term, and therefore, so Rabbeinu Yoyal, one of the later Rishonim says, you're allowed to do so, but you shouldn't do it in front of Amhoritz because they will see they won't know the difference between. One unstitching and another unstitching, but that's the way it's brought in Shukhanarov, that you're allowed to unstitch a temporary adhesion. How long is called a temporary? So I talked about a cobbler making a pair of shoes. You could say, who says it was a cobbler made the pair of shoes? Perhaps it means he took him into for repairs to a, to, for a short term. It's not so clear. So the, the um, advice to open and close those tabs or the tampers is that instead of it being a long-term adhesion, it should be, it's by having opened it before Shabbos, it's only a short-term adhesion. Therefore, it's less of a problem to open them up on Shabbos, to use them on Shabbos. That's, that's the background to it. Uh, in the notes, if you have the sheet, you can see a reference to the Sefer Shabbos Kahalocha from Rav Forakash. He discusses this in his fourth volume, I don't have a picture of it because it's not Oitzah Chochmah. And there, he, he discusses this as a Hidur, as a Chumrah. And in the notes, he says, actually, that Reb Shlomo Zalman himself, Reb Shlomo Zalman Oyerbach, to members of his family, had told them it's not really necessary. So there is, whilst there are, there is some value in doing so. If, you have, if you've been doing so till now, fine. But it's, it's a... It, you have to have a hatash nadorim to stop doing so. But if if it's if you find it difficult to not to to take on this cover. Let's move on. So this is a question someone asked me. She goes out of the house and left a non-Jewish babysitter. She didn't ask me about leaving a child with a non-Jewish babysitter. There was a separate question. But meanwhile, she's asking about the bottle of milk in the in the in the fridge. So we're looking here in Shukhanorach, as you can see, in Simen Kuf Yudches. 
and it says the following one who leaves a now there's a difference we know about the idea of sending food with a goy so you would need to have um seals etc that, that's common knowledge what about when you go out of the house and you leave a goy in your house and so it says here's shukhnaruch and the same simon after bosash and salmon iron etc so he says if you have stuff in your house foods that if they had been exchanged for something else, there would be isurtoire. So let's say a piece of meat or something. So if you're going in and out and you didn't say that you're leaving whatever for a long time, then you don't have to worry. Even if there were maybe benefit for them in changing it. But if you said I'm going for a while, then it's us. But if there's no benefit from the exchange, if the goy would not benefit from exchanging that food for another food, for a tray for food of the equivalent, there's there's no, it's not a, a problem. What does he gain? Switching this for that, there's a bottle of milk. Well, he emptied it uh, and used that, that your, the kosher milk, and then refilled it with, with, with non-kosher milk. Now, there's a couple of points here. First of all, that the opening of this halach and shukhanarach is if the exchange is something which is isotoira. Milk is not an isotoira. Uh, Goisha milk is not an isotoira. Let's um, say isotoira. Of course, the concerns because it might be from an unconscious species, but the actual isotoira is definitely isotoira. And at the end of the shukhanarach says, end of the sif says, that if there's no benefit, mutabachal inyan. Now, the la this last phrase, mutabachal inyan, leaves a little bit of ambiguity. Does it mean it's mutabadiyevid or even lachatchila? So I have a sefer called Chelkas Binyomin on who on this point he he's he mulls over whether it's lachatchila or badiyevid. So I'm I'm not totally sure. Um, there's certainly room to be makele because I said it's not isur Torah talking about the rabbanon and. There's a possibility of saying that it's even mutter lechatchila. You can you, you can take it that way. Is there room to be machmer possibly? I'm I'm not so comfortable. There's one 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 situation where you leave a guy in your house to clean the floors. They have no business going into the fridge. So then you come back, see everything. The fridge is exactly the way you left it. I have no problem with that. But in the case of a babysitter. And you want them to give the child breakfast or something, or they want to have their own, make themselves a coffee. You told them use this cup, not those cups. Fine, but the the the, the uh, bottle of milk is not going to be the way you left it. And the so if it's stuff which you're leaving in their care and it's not going to be the way you left it, there's no there's no how do you say to be as I am. I'm more anxious about leaving the, them to. Unless there's a case of yoitzevenichnas where you can you come in any time, then right, that that itself is a disincentive for any um, misconduct. Okay, so now we're going on to the question number eight about interrupting between shalyad and shalrosh to say moidim anachnuloch. So now, so someone sent me a contradiction. There is a, at the back of the Siddur, of many Kahos Siddurim, both Israeli and American, there's a table 
of where, where you are in davening and what you want to interrupt to say. So that was compiled by the late Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Edelman of Ashok. Then there's someone later, this that's this already probably been already 30 years already, maybe more. Then comes along someone again at Talmud Chochem by the name of Rubyov Lemberg, and he published a sefer called also Labavachel called Hefsik Bitfila, and he's published it a couple of times. In his later edition, he discusses this. Then you have a sefer, which this is where the person who asked me the question. There's a sefer called Shevach Yakor. Shevach Yakor, however you pronounce it. So that's Rabbi Shmuel Horowitz, who is more known for his volume, Shevach Hamboyadim. And he's published a couple of other. He's a son of the late Rabbi Chaim Tashkenta. So Shmuel Ben Chaim is Shevach. So in his earlier editions, he had written that you, between Shalyad and Shalrosh, you can be Mafsik to say Moedim and Achnuloch. But in his later editions, he says you should not be Mafsik. So there's been some development over here. And I just want to go through what's happened over here. So now, in the Alter Rebbe's Shulchanot, he says you should not interrupt between Shalyad and Shalrosh to answer what's called Dova Shebekdusha, Omen Shmerabo, etc. In the Siddha, he says you should interrupt to answer. So that which we're going to read from the Siddha, yeah, this is from the Halochus Tfilin in the Siddha. Afal Pikain, although you're not meant to interrupt, if you heard Kaddish Borchu Kedusha between Shilyad and Shilrosh, you are allowed to be Mafsik to answer them. If you interrupt between Shalyad and Shalrosh, you're going to have to make a new brocha on putting on the Shalrosh. No, never mind. Is always to say al tefillin. So you're saying, oh, you interrupted, you have to now make another brocha. You know what? There are plenty of fine Yidin who say every day a second bracha. What's not so terrible that I'm causing myself to make another bracha? We don't say a second bracha on the Shalrosh because Suffolk bracha is the Hokel. But here, when it comes to causing what's called not a bracha of Atola, but a bracha you can rely on that opinion that you always should be saying al mitzvah fillin and shaloyli votel not to have to drop in answering Dovashabikdusha. is typically those things which are said only with a minion, as in Kaddish, Borchu, Kdusha. So you clearly hear the Alter Rebbeim enumerates three things as Dovashabikdusha, Kaddish, answering Kaddish, answering Borchu, answering Kdusha. He does not mention Moidim. Now, later on in this Hilchus Tfilin, the last few bits are more related to Krishna. And there the Alta Rebbe says that if you are in the middle of Birchas Krishna, let's say you are by Yoitzir Oir, by Hameir Laoretz, uh, whatever, in the middle of Avas Oilom, you should be Mavsik to answer Kaddish 
that's just the two parts of Kaddish, Omen Shmerabo and Omen of Damir Be'olma. You should be mafsik to answer Baruchu. You should be mafsik to answer Kedusha, not the full Kedusha, but just the three Psukim of Kaddish Baruch and Yimloch. That's a Kiddush. He says Yimloch is also part of Kedusha. And then he says you should also answer Moedim just the three words. Ah, so in the context of responding during Birchas Krishna, Moedim has been given equal footing to Dovashe Bekdusha. That's to interrupt in to the middle of Birchas Krishna. Here we're talking about interrupting between Shilyad and Shalrosh, which is going to cause that you have to make another brach on the Shalrosh. Now, you can take it either way. And that is where the earlier, you know, writers, like the Shevach Yekor in his earlier position, was saying, well, since in the context in Sima Samach Bob, in the Didim of Hefzik, in the middle of Birchas Krishna, Moedim and Nachdoloch has given equal footing to Medovah to therefore the same as regards between Shalyad and Shalrosh. The later position is saying, no. And what you have on the screen, we're just going to have a quote from the Sefer Hefzik Betfilo. Now, I've written here, it's from the Tovshin Samach Tes edition, because in the earlier edition, which I have, it doesn't talk about this. But in his later edition, Rabbi Lemberg writes that the fact that the Alter Rebbe does not mention Moedim, whereas later on he does mention, he puts Moedim together with Kedusha and Baruch So that seems to tell us that no, between Shiyad and Shirosh, you don't answer Moedim and Achnulok. No, it's in, by the way, it's, it, why are you putting a tefillin just the middle of Chazor Hashanah? So at that point, well, never mind. It's, it's not, not such a common thing, at least for people who try to come to a minion on time. Um, so, yeah, so the, the point being said here is that although elsewhere, Moedim and Achnulok does have the same uh, value, but in this, in, in here, we don't have a source for that. And going back, the BM is in Shukhanach, he says you shouldn't interrupt at all. Here the Siddur is a Chiddush, you should interrupt for Davash Bekdush. Right, and let's see a couple of points. Minux fired also to bench on Shirosh. Um Okay, um, you might be right. Um, it's a machloikis between uh, in, in Bali Toysa, Rashi Toysus, I believe. Uh, I didn't know that the Sephardim also say a brach on the Shalrosh. It may be also amongst the Sephardim there'll be different, different communities which way they follow. Okay, thank you. Though. Right. I, re I recently wrote a, letter, wrote a letter of recommendation about a particular Rav that I wrote that he's Boki also in Minagash Fardim as well as Minagash Kenazim. In today's kind of communities, people are coming from all over. It is a valuable thing to be familiar also with the Minagash Min Fardim, Piskeh Fardim, etc. Let's move on. So here, someone asked me, he, he's on Shlichus in a small place, and he doesn't have company for Kiddush Levana. He's a married man, he has his wife, and so who else, when I went at Kiddush Levana, he turn around, three times, 
usually, you know, in a Hamish community, you go out and you, there's the whole minions outside, and you shalom aleichem to three different people. Here, he doesn't have another Jewish man to say shalom aleichem, and his wife is asking, is it okay to say shalom to his wife? So there is a concept of We have this from uh, it's brought in, it's written in the Gemara, it's brought in Yeridea. One should not a man, it's not sneers for a man to to um, go out of his way to greet, say shalom to a woman, even through the shliach, even through my husband. It's considered a certain like an intrusion, uh, in conflict with the concept of of sneers. Um, you can ask the husband how she is, but don't, uh, the, well, however, whatever the details are. So there is something about uh, say, about giving shalom to Isha, to a woman. Now, actually, there's another lotion, which I didn't do my homework properly, lahaktim, not to be machtim shalom to Isha. And what we've seen by the Rebbe's style of writing, whenever the Rebbe writes to a woman, so the beginning of the, of the letter, instead of sholem or bracha, it's bracha b'sholem. So it's a, it's a deliberate change not to be makhdim b'sholem, but to say first bracha and then sholem. This, this, this concept, there's actually, I found in doing a bit of research, a whole, a sefer all about uh, Yonim of Tzniyaz. There's a whole chapter about the union of, of uh, sholem l'isha, but it certainly does not apply to one's own wife. It's not a problem to say sholem. To one's own wife, um, you know, it's, it's that that has to be shalom is obvious, yeah. But uh, to say shalom, it's okay to say shalom, yeah. Um, in I once heard a diuk in our siddur, we have havos shalom share bein odom nachaveir ben ishle ishte. In other siddurim, it's havos shalom bein odom nachaveir. In us, it's share bein odom nachaveir ben ishle ishte. So I once heard of shat that. What's the difference? One is to bring harmony between husband and wife. The other one is there is a shalom. The shalom share bein odom There is a shalom there, but it seems to be a little bit hidden. So it needs some therapy to bring it out. So that's havas shalom share bein odom lachaveir. Let's come then in in this uh, context. In so you have the pischet shuvah, which is I think worth. Uh, reading that's a commentary on the Shukhan Aruch and Simon Chof Aleph and Ebeno He quotes the Ritva and he talks about this Indian of the Shem Shemaim, the, the way of behavior of Tznias, one should behave in the Shem Shemaim. And so he quotes from the Ritva You have to also be aware of your own. Your own uh, inclinations, etc. If you feel that the person who feels that his his drive is actually totally under control, and it's not going to stimulate any uh, improper thoughts, etc. So it's okay. For him to look and to speak, etc. Um, and he quotes the story of Rabbi Yochanan who would sit by Shari Tzvilo, etc. And he uh, brings a couple of stories where some of the Chachmei Hagemora seem to behave in a way 
which would be uh, um, not considered sneistic um, nowadays. And he says that they were in such a level, there's a famous one who said that they that he, he has no thoughts, no improper thoughts because of that exposure. And he finishes off, of course, Ein don't you know to to rely on on this hetter say it doesn't really bother me a person who's known to be a chosid godel but but most of us um, should be concerned that it it, it would be improper improper thoughts let's go on to the couple of chats here um isn't there a story where the Rebbe didn't want to say if he was Mafsik bin Shilyad and Shalrosh, the Amish Meirabo? There is, I didn't know about the Rebbe, I know that there is, and I've discussed this in the past, there is a letter of the Friedeke Rebbe to the Mashpia in Vilna in around 1942. So this is during the Second World War. And Vilna at that time was still not um, not under Nazi control. And he says something about not being mafsi between the Shalyad and Shalrosh, but it, 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 it seems to be written in code. Because here you can see the Alter Rebbe clearly says you should be mafsi. And then there were later uh, from Rav Greenglass, etc. There's been, there have been, I've got notes about this. There are those who said that, they, that you shouldn't be master with Shalyad and Shalrosh, and they have the shame the Friedrich Rebbe. But I believe that that was, it seems to be that that was in a particular, it was a conversation which meant more than just a face value. Right, right. And the last one which we have on our list for tonight is about saying, Shalom Aleichem in Kiddush Levana when there's no one else there. So I, I must share with you that when I was 40 years ago living in Crown Heights, it was the last night of Kiddush Levana. I lived on the fourth floor, top floor of, the, of this apartment building at the corner of Kingston and Montgomery. And I went onto the roof and I said Kiddush Levana. And then came to Shalom Aleichem. This is about two o'clock in the morning. Now I look down, and there's some bocher or young man walking along Kingston Avenue going down, and I holler down, Shalom and no response. Again, and he looks up, and there's some sugar now that's on the roof shouting, Shalom Aleichem. There's whatever. Okay, so now, what do you do when you're on, uh, on your own? Do you say Shalom Aleichem? So now we have this finally been published, the fourth volume, uh, no, the sixth whatever, the, the volume of Piskei Tshuvas on Chelik Dalad of, of Mr. Brewer. And there he says <clears throat> that you should say Shalom Aleichem even if you're on your own. And he, but he's kind enough to give us his source, and that is the following saying called Likute Mahariach. The, the Mahariach is someone called Yosef Chaim Friedman. And he published his Sefer probably about 100 years ago, a little bit more perhaps. Very popular Sefer, nice liquids, three volumes, Al-Seda HaTfila, Al-Seda very well-known Sefer. And it's been, as you can see, it's been published. This has been newly retypeset. So I looked it up, yeah? That's important when you have these Malaktim. 
They do hard work, but they work swiftly, and sometimes they, uh, you know, they uh, write things uh, slightly different to the source. So now, here he writes the following. The Nusuch of the Tur and the Shechon and the Ur Zaruah, that's the Yitzchuk of Vienna, and of the Levush, is actually they have to say Sholoim Olecho in the singular. The common Nusuch is to say Sholoim Alechem in the plural. And that's also in the Mate Moshe, who's a Talmud of Mahashal. And as we see also, yes, he says, if you're giving Sholem to three people, you say Sholem Aleichem. If you don't have three people, and you're saying three times Sholem to one man, you should say Sholem Aleichem. And you see, that's the Lashon of the Torah and the Shulchan Aruch. However, he says, that the minig is even to a single person, you say Shalom Aleichem. And indeed, not only at Kiddush Levona, but generally when we greet someone, we use the plural Shalom Aleichem. Now, that is probably influenced from the Yiddish, perhaps, you know, Yiddish German. You know the word Teich, the word Yiddish Teich actually means Yiddish Deitch, Jewish German, Judea German. At any rate, so. In the in the more respectful way, if someone you'd say instead of do, you'll say ear, you'll say the plural. And consequently, in uh, in Hebrew, when you you'd say to a person you know, in a respectful way, you say shalom aleichem. Then he brings from the El Yorabo. The El Yorabo is a commentary on the Levush. And he, the El Yorabo quotes from the Arizal that the Kavona, by saying Sholom Aleichem, is to bring a, that there should be harmony between the sun and the moon. Now, as we know, at the beginning of creation, there was a, there was a uh, the complaint of the moon. You can't have two kings sharing the one crown. And then as Hashem says, that's a that's all right, go ahead. The one had to the moon had to diminish, diminish herself. Now, and then in Kiddush Levana, we say there'll be a time, the moon will be the same as the sun, etc. etc. So then there'll be a harmony when the Kham on the Levana. So the Arizal is saying that the Sholim Aleichem is alluding to peace between the sun and the moon. And therefore, it's okay to use the plural. So although the pastors, you're saying Shalom Aleichem to the man standing next to you, but it's okay to say Aleichem because it's also referring to, alluding to the sun and the moon. And indeed, the al quotes from the Arizal to say Shalom Aleichem. Okay. Now, with all due respect, he does not has not said here that if there's no one there, you still say Shalom Aleichem to the sun and the moon. He, that doesn't, doesn't say it here. It's just saying that that is kind of the behind the obvious of the Shalom Aleichem to the man in front of you, next to you. There's also a, a, the, the plural is referring to the Chamel All right. So what do you do when you're Ramesh on your own? Now, if it's... You don't do Kiddush Levon on Friday night in any case, yeah? Because it's Chos So you only do it on the weekdays. So pick up your phone and call up someone and say Shalom Aleichem over the phone. It's problem solved. Okay. Um, let's see what we have here.
Right. If there's no one else section to kids the runner, and so so this is this is the question. I'm I find it strange. But, okay, is there some loophole about being able to say Kiddush Lavana tonight? That, oh, that's a separate question. So we'll deal with that in a moment. Um, someone's pointing out in French also. Uh, you have the difference between tu and vu. Thank you. True. Right. Um, is it better to say shalom aleichem on the phone? I think is that yes, definitely. You can say shalom aleichem on the phone. That's not a problem. I think that that would be a better solution than than uh, just standing there saying it to the Lavana. Um Right. So you to about so just to finish up Rebbe you asked about um, saying Kiddush Lavana after the middle of the month. So in these calendars, they have Sofsman Kiddush Lavana. However, there's a story which is written down by Rav Lando, Oliver Shalom, Rebianko Lando, in the year Tof Reish Ayin Vov, possibly. Sorry, I don't remember. It's in it's in Rust, it's in Rostov. So it must be going. It's got it all written down and how it was Pesach, and it was like the Rebbe Rasham did not want them to make Kiddush Lavana the second night of Pesach. He says, wait till Motzah, and that was going to go the night going into Yudches. So I've written about this uh, in the forthcoming Siddur. There's a whole article about that. But uh, that I take that, I follow that, that when, for whatever, if let's say you weren't able to make Kiddush Lavana to, to, um, last week, I'd say you could still make a bracha tonight. I wish you all a good avoch and can say also a good nechadish and marbim b'simcha and the simchas oylam al roishom till with 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 bias moshiach says kain of meheru yemein amamish kol tov. Good avoch. Thank you. Good avoch. Thank you. Good avoch. Shkoyach.